Hey everybody, welcome back to Looking for the Real God. This is Christy Lynn Wood. Today we will be continuing our series on church, looking at another parable that Jesus told, and also at our own hearts, wondering if we are also Pharisees. I've been enjoying looking at Jesus's parables the last few weeks, and as I was continuing to think about church and just the things that um, concern me about our modern American Christian church, I found another parable. And this one ties in so much with my own story, not just my story of being in the cult, but my story of being a religious Pharisee, even outside of the cult, even up until years ago. And the Pharisee heart that maybe still pops up here and there, even though I try so hard to see people's hearts instead of their behaviors. So we're going to talk a lot about this. This parable today is from Matthew, Matthew chapter 21, starting in verse 28 through 32. And it's a very simple parable. And to understand it fully, you need to know the context. I was watching some YouTube videos of pastors preaching on this parable and the one I had to turn off like right away because he turned around and made it be like, now you should, you should, you should do this kind of thing. I was like, no, that is not the point of the parable. So to set the stage, you need to know that Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and the religious leaders and they had just questioned his authority and asked him, you know, whose authority do you have and who is telling you that you can do this kind of stuff and say these kinds of things and act like this? And he doesn't really answer their question. He just turns around and asks them another question about John the Baptist, whether or not he was truly from God or not. So then he tells this parable and he talks about a father who has two sons and the father owns a vineyard. And he goes to the first son and he says, son, go work in the vineyard today. And the first son says, no, I'm not going to go do that. But then he changes his mind. He has a change of heart or he repents and he goes ahead and goes to the vineyard and works. The second son, the father goes to him and says, son, go work in the vineyard. And the second son is kind of a suck up. And he says, oh, of course, sir, I will go. But he doesn't go. And Jesus asks the people around him, remember, these are the Pharisees and the religious leaders, which of these two sons actually followed the will of his father? And they said the first, because obviously the first son actually went and worked in the vineyard. And he said, exactly. And I think at this point, they were probably kind of feeling good about themselves. So like, yes, look at all the good things we do. We're so great. We're amazing. And then Jesus just turns it around because it sounds like this parable is about what you do. They went and worked in the vineyard. But Jesus turns it around and he tells them that the tax collectors and the prostitutes are going to get into the kingdom of God before them. Can you imagine the shock, the stares? And he goes on to say that because of their belief, they will enter the kingdom of God first. Because when John the Baptist came and preached repentance, that they were sinners, that they needed a savior, that the Messiah was coming, they believed. And yet the religious leaders and the Pharisees continued in their state of unbelief. And even at this point, as Jesus is right at the end of his ministry, about to be crucified, the prostitutes, the tax collectors, the sinners, the rejected ones are following him. They're believing in him and they're following him out of that place of belief. And so even though they weren't necessarily the people you would expect to be in the kingdom of God, they looked like that first son who was like, no, I'm not going to do that kind of stuff. That's crazy. No, they had a change of heart. 
They repented. They saw things differently. They believed in who Jesus was. They saw their own need of a savior and they followed him. And the religious leaders who said they did all these wonderful things and who claimed with their mouths to follow God and with their behaviors looked like righteous people rejected the Messiah, rejected the prophet that came to talk about the Messiah, and rejected their need of a savior. They thought they were fine. And I just think it's such an interesting parable. And guys, it was for the religious leaders. This is not something where we turn around and go, okay, well, we should be going out and working in the Father's vineyard. This is for the religious leaders. But I think it's for us. Because guys, as I look at our modern American evangelical Christianity and the churches, there are so many people who are so concerned with the things that you do or don't do, with the behaviors, with a list of rules to follow. And I am afraid that if Jesus was actually here with us, it would be the despised ones that seek and find him first because they would believe. They would recognize that they need a savior, that they're broken. And these religious people, modern Pharisees, which I, like I said, I used to be this kind of person. I think we'd miss him. I was thinking back to a blog post that I wrote a few years ago in 2019. And I was talking about just an experience that I'd had and how I recognized that I was not the same person that I used to be. And, you know, I got out of my cult when I was about 22 And I started really just looking for Jesus and trying to follow him from the heart. And yet those religious tendencies were so entwined within me. I had, as a youth pastor's wife, a long list of things that good, godly, young adults, young people would do. You know, you would be at youth group every week and you wouldn't wear a two-piece swimsuit and you wouldn't date too young or too much. And you, I had all these things. All these things, spaghetti straps, you wouldn't wear, sp- I mean, all these things, you wouldn't wear leggings, all these, all these things that I expected my godly youth group kids to abide by. I remember a time as a youth pastor's wife where there was a group of women that were at my church and they weren't my stereotypical godly women. They were talking about, which these days sounds kind of fun, talking about renting one of those pedal bikes and like biking all around Grand Rapids to the different breweries and stuff like that. I didn't say anything out loud, but I know that my face showed exactly what I was thinking. Just the disdain and disgust and like, oh, they don't really love Jesus. And they didn't stay around my church. And I wonder now if I was part of the reason that they left, if they felt that rejection from me. And the tables turned for me, guys, when I was the person that was being pointed at. And when the condemnation and the stones thrown were heading my way. And I felt what it was like to have church people reject me and condemn me and tell me that I was wrong and that there was no way for me to get back into the good graces. There was no way to get back into the place of being the godly one. I mean, it was it was hard. And yet that broken place is what brought me to this place of recognizing like I was a Pharisee. I was somebody who was so consumed with outward actions. Like those were the things that showed me that you are a good Christian. And I know that that attitude is prevalent among our churches. And sometimes I think it's just getting worse. People have this list of things that you would do if you were a good Christian, if you were a true Christian, if you really followed Jesus, you will do these things. You will look like this. 
And I think they forget that like the Pharisees weren't the ones who knew Jesus. It was the sinners. It was the people who were complete messes that met Jesus. I talked to a young person recently who was very confused about this. Somebody who was very caught up in the things that they thought we should do to please God. And I tried to talk to them about Jesus and the Pharisees and the sinners. And as I was asking questions, trying to figure out what they really believed, it sounded like they really believed that the reason Jesus had a problem with the Pharisees wasn't so much that they didn't see their need for a savior or didn't recognize him as the Messiah, but that they were teaching the law wrong. This person thought that because they were hypocrites and because they had added to the law instead of teaching the law accurately, that was why Jesus had a problem with them. And I tried to ask questions and I tried to push a little bit, but I also know that people need to come to their own conclusions and their own time period. And I was like, okay, then why did he hang out with the sinners and the rejected ones and you know the prostitutes and the tax collectors and people who had no regard for Jewish tradition? And they seemed to think it was so that he could teach them Jewish tradition and the law. I was so befuddled because this was like a normal looking young person. And I'm like, how in the world? How in the world are we at a place that I would have agreed with, you know, 20 years ago? A place where I would told you, yes, if you really are a Christian, you're going to be following these rules. I just don't, I'm just not there anymore, guys. Like, I think that we don't have a deep enough understanding of sin. That all of us good church people sitting here and saying, oh, but look at me, I am good. We don't recognize what sin really is. We don't see the depths of our own sin and our brokenness and our pride and our selfishness and our self-absorption. And the way that we think that by doing these things, we've somehow earned God's favor on us or that he looks at us with better love than he looks at other people. I just don't believe that anymore because sin is sin is sin and we are broken by it. And there's no way we can escape that. And I no longer think that God saved us to make us good. I think that with this twisted understanding of salvation and of God, we're right back there with the Pharisees who felt like they had to follow the rules and do the things to make God pleased with them. And that somehow they were nearer to God by doing these things. And yet God was right there in front of them, talking to them, pushing back against their thoughts, and they missed him. I don't want to miss Jesus. And I know that he came for the broken ones. I know that he came for the lost ones. And I know that he longs for a relationship with us more than anything else. And that he came to restore that relationship, to forgive all of our sins so that we can be in that relationship with him. All the sins, yes, that are obvious, but all the sins that are so subtle and hidden. All the little things that we do and say, like we're broken messes and yet we are so loved. And there's beautiful gold in our hearts and we're a paradox and we're full of tension and mystery and that's okay. As I look at the church and I look at certain remnants of my cult that feels like it's kind of taken over the evangelical church in some instances, in some areas, I'm discouraged. I hate seeing this push for things like Christian nationalism and we're going to get God, you know, we're going to help God bring America back to this Christian nation and we're going to enforce these morals on people and we're going to make our laws be the laws of the land. And that's so wrong. And the idea that if you do certain things like homeschooling and staying home with your kids and like all these things that are so familiar to me, things that my cult taught years ago and yet have somehow snuck into this mainstream mindset within certain groups of evangelical Christians. Like I 
I'm torn up about that because it feels to me like we're going so far backwards and not forward at all. I don't want to be a person and I don't want the church to be people who are like, oh, yes, we'll follow you, Jesus. And then we don't because we think we're following him and we're not. Because it's not about the things we do. It's about our belief, our faith, our connection with him. I think there's a lot of people that are going to be in the kingdom because they really are a part of the kingdom of Jesus that your right-wing conservative Christians are going to be shocked about. And I think there's going to be a lot of religious Christians that discover they're not actually part of the kingdom after all. And I hate that. I hate that. And so once again, guys, I'm calling us back to the truth. I'm calling us back to the gospel that says we are so broken and there's nothing we can do to fix it. And God does not want our good works. He does not want our good deeds. He does not want us trying to do things to please him. He wants our hearts. Because Jesus came and lived with us and showed us who God was. He drew the broken messes to himself. He healed them at these depths that we have no idea even exist. The Holy Spirit comes to transform us from the inside out. And we don't have to follow a list of rules anymore because we have the law of God written on our hearts. We have the Spirit within us speaking to us. And if we'll just embrace that relationship that we can have with him, he will slowly work on us and conform us to the image of Jesus, to the image of Jesus. That's crazy and wild and wonderful. And that's what I want. I want people who are set on fire by the Holy Spirit because they have experienced what it is to meet Jesus. Not people who are religiously following a bunch of rules, thinking that they're closer to God because of the things they're doing. I'd rather have us be people who are like, heck no, and then realize, oh, that I need to change my mind about that. Like, I'm, I'm going to repent. I'm going to actually follow you, Jesus. I'm going to believe in you. I need you. Then people who say, oh, yes, of course, and then do nothing. Or worse, do the things we think get us to God, but don't. So guys, my prayer for the church is just that we would be able to abandon these dead rules. That we would meet the living Jesus. That we would allow his spirit to transform us as we surrender to him and to his will on our lives. And and we recognize how much he loves us and how wonderful it is to be with him and to be like him and to be made new. And that because of that heart change, we will change, but it won't be because we have to think about it and do it and try to make it happen. It's because we are different, because we are being renewed by the Spirit of Jesus Christ. I'm going to keep ranting about this for the rest of my life, so thanks for listening. (laughs) Guys, it's my prayer that, that Jesus revives his church, not by rules, not by formulas, not by law but by the spirit of Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening to my rant. And until next time, keep searching. If you enjoyed this podcast, I'd love to have you join me over on my Substack at christylynnwood.substack.com for newsletters, notes, and a community of people who are searching for the real God.